So what we've just heard proclaimed is the lion's share of what I've just heard recently called the lost chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And it's called the lost chapter because uh, we just missed hearing two out of the three parables that are here. We got the introduction where Jesus is welcoming the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and the Pharisees and scribes are upset about it. And then he goes on to tell them three parables. And we know all three of these well. The first one is, of course, the man who had a hundred sheep. Losing one of them, he leaves the 99 and goes after them, brings that one back. And of course, what does he do? He has a big party, invites all of his friends. The second one is the woman who had 10 coins. And losing one, she tears apart her house, finally finds it. And what does she do? She throws a huge party, invites everybody over. And then we move into this particular parable that we all know so well. I mean, it's typically called the parable of the prodigal son, although I've heard it called a lot of different things here recently, especially just in studying it again and getting ready for this Sunday. And especially when it comes to a parable like this, we know so well that we've heard it so many times. It's always good to ask our Lord to just show me, what do you want to say to me this time? What do you want us to learn as we get to once again, you know, hear this beautiful narrative from the lips of Christ himself? And the thing that really stood out to me this time was an illusion with the older son coming back and how I think it might relate to an image from the Old Testament. I didn't find this anywhere else. I'm kind of going out on a limb, but I think it works. And it's this. When you hear this this phrase, now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. And what that reminded me of was that scene in Exodus when Moses and Joshua are up on Mount Sinai. They've been up there for 40 days, and the Lord has given them the Ten Commandments. And in coming down, they hear a lot of sounds coming from the camp. And Joshua says, it's the sound of a battle. And of course, Moses says, no, 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 those are not the the cries of victory, nor are they the cries of defeat. And if you think about this in Charlton Heston's voice, it sounds really good. Those are the cries of revelry. And of course, at this point, because Moses and Joshua have been up on the mountain for 40 days, it's all it took, 40 days, the people just kind of wandered off in their hearts. And they took their jewelry off and they gave it to Aaron and he put it in the fire and he says, and out came the golden calf. And they're all worshiping the golden calf. And that golden calf that they worship, just by the way, is a symbol in the ancient Near East of like fertility gods and goddesses, right? And so they're all having a party focused around fertility, and we'll just leave it at that, right? So those are the cries of revelry that they're hearing. And of course, Moses is upset. He throws down the Ten Commandments. He takes a golden calf. He grinds it up into powder. He throws it in the water, and he makes everybody drink it. Well, here we have the older son coming back. He hears a party going on. He hears music and dancing, but this time it's a good kind of noise. And notice what the father brought about for the central feast, so to speak. He slaughtered the fattened calf. And I think that's really important because if you look at the kind of meat they're eating most of the time in ancient Israel, and in fact, 
if you visit the Holy Land today, you're not going to get a burger. Like, they don't have them. There aren't a lot of cows around. You're going to get lamb. And so the very fact that this fattened calf is what's on the menu to celebrate the fact that the younger son has come back, I cannot help but think that there is an illusion there with the sound of music and dancing, but this time, it's not because they've wandered away and they're, you know, jiving into revelry. It's because the father is right there, and when things are properly focused on the father, it leads to a kind of singing and rejoicing and dancing that can carry on. And they get to experience and rejoice in the good things that are there, but because ultimately there's a reconciliation that has taken place. But the older son isn't happy with that, is he? And in fact, when you look at this parable and why I am kind of persuaded that I don't think it should be called the parable of the prodigal son, just probably the parable of the two sons. Because when you think about it, they're both basically the same. Yes, the younger son made the incredibly horrible faux pas of saying to his dad, give me my inheritance now, I'm leaving, right? Which is kind of like saying, I wish you were dead, I want what's coming to me now. I mean, essentially it boils down to that, right? And he goes off and throws it all away. But look at the older son. He's upset because he's not getting everything he thinks should be coming to him. This isn't about, hey, Dad, I've been with you. No, 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 no. It's, you know, you never gave me anything. Where is all of mine? Look, I want what's coming to me. It really reminds me of the scene in the movie Field of Dreams when it gets towards the end with Kevin Costner. His name is Ray. And he said, I've done all that you've asked without ever asking once what's in it for me. And James Earl Jones says, what are you saying, Ray? I'm saying what's in it for me, right? And it's interesting, though, because what ends up being in it for him is having a catch with his dad, right? And that's what I think this ultimately boils down to. We can be like either of the sons. We can be like the first one and like want to grab stuff right now. We can be a little bit more patient about it. But really, at the heart of things, are we in this relationship because of what I'm going to get out of it, right? I'm doing this because I want to know what's in it for me. But the beauty that we see in this parable, and really in all of the readings this weekend, and there's so much there for meditation, is that ultimately what all of this about is that the Father wants relationship with us. He wants us to be with him. And Jesus, the one who's telling us this, in Luke 15, he's on his way to Jerusalem to do what? To die for us. To lay down his whole life on the cross. All of this is showing the extent to which the Father will go to bring us back. We who are so much like the Israelites. Scott Hahn has a great line about the Israelites. He said, it's a lot easier to get the Israelites out of Egypt than it is to get Egypt out of the Israelites. You know, because they just keep going back into slavery. Yes, he showed all these great wonders in Egypt. He parts the Red Sea. And the first chance they get, they go to the fertility god. They want the golden calf, right? We can do those sort of things too so easily but he wants it to be so much better for us. Think back on past Lent's and Easter's, because I think this is kind of a common theme for a lot of us. Like we get into Lent, at first it's so difficult to give things up, right? To try to give some things away, to spend that time in prayer, to get up. But 
Usually by this point, Laetare Sunday, notice the pink, you know, we're, we're kind of at this point where it's like, hey, things are actually pretty good. Like, I really appreciate the prayer. Like, yes, it was hard to get up early, but Lord, I'm getting to spend time with you. I'm finding out I don't actually need soda. It's okay. Like, I, I can live, and things are actually more peaceful and good, and it's wonderful. And then Easter starts to hit, and then we get, like, everything back, and here's all the chocolate, and it's wonderful, and it's great. And then we kind of move into, like, the long hangover that becomes the Easter season. Why? Because, well, we start to relax the prayer practices again. We start to focus more on the stuff than on the one who gave us the stuff, right? We focus on the gifts more than the gift giver. And during this season, what we're seeing is he wants so much more for us. Yes, we get the gifts thrown in, but it's so much better than the mere golden calf, right? We don't want things to become an idol because then they destroy us. They tear us apart. When we're with the Father, what we ultimately get is him and a barbecue. Like, it's so much better and how good it can be. And you look at the extents to which he will go for us. Look at what his heart is filled with As the younger son returns home, his heart was filled with compassion. Not just relief, not just joy, which are both understandable emotions, but compassion, which means to suffer with. God enters into all of this with us. We see what's going on as we meditate on it during Lent, that the son, as as St. Paul says in this very Deep line, he became sin who did not know sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What does that mean to become sin? To become a sin offering. To become that animal that is offered up to take away sins. He's willing to humble himself to that point. Just like we see him telling the story of the father who's willing to humble himself to do everything he can to bring his sons to himself. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, we are those sons. In one way or another, it's so easy to wander away. It's so easy to go after idols. But what we have in front of us is so much better than that. We have a Father who loves us, whose heart is filled with compassion. And ultimately, He wants us to be able to open up and share that love with everyone. Not to fall into the trap of the older son who says, your son did this. Well, we got to look at each other as not just your son, but as my brother and my sister. We're all called to be in this great glory. And the good news for us is, hey, this is the type of barbecue that doesn't run out. His love, his goodness, his compassion is not a limited resource. But ultimately, what we're striving toward, and we get a glimpse of it in the first reading in the book of Joshua, they cross into the the promised land, right? And we hear, you know, today I've removed from you the reproach of Egypt. And all of a sudden, the manna stops, and they're able to eat from the fruit of the land. That's what we're moving on towards, to have the reproach of Egypt removed from us, to no longer be a slave to just our desires, to have concupiscence taken away, to no longer be in the pilgrimage state of having the manna from heaven, that mysterious gift of food. Just like right now, we have the manna from heaven in the Eucharist. One day, 
We'll get to the point where no longer will Christ come to us under the form of bread and wine, but He'll be with us face to face, reconciled with Him. And what He wants is for all of us to get there. We're called, as St. Paul says, to be ambassadors for Christ. People who know that there's something so much better than just merely a golden calf. Something so much more than the golden arches, right? What we're called toward is that love of the Father. And he continues to tell us about it time and again in this beautiful parable that we know so well. And the thing is, as you look at this introductory, right, he's talking to the the, the Pharisees and the scribes, and he ends it not saying what happens with the older son. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Those Pharisees and scribes are going to keep plotting for his death. We know what's going to happen. He dies on the cross for love for all of us. But death cannot hold that love down. He rises from the dead. That compassion remains, and he calls us to himself. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, what we see during this Lent, and what we're asking for is that purified desire to be with him, not just with the gifts that he gives us. Yes, he'll continue to give gifts to us all the time, but we're made for so much more than that. We're called and made for the love of the Father. Let's pray for the grace that as we finish out this time of Lent, we may have our desires purified that much more to see that he loves us, that he continues to come to us, that his heart is filled with compassion, that we're not alone, that he is here. We're called to bring others into that love as well. Praise be Jesus Christ. Now and forever.